Hello and welcome to Cup of Tea, a friendly, patient and gentle space for honest discussion and debate. My name's Harry and I'm a gay trans man. And my name's Oliver and I'm a gay cis man. Together as husbands, we are sharing our experiences and trying to build bridges to give a space for people to ask questions and learn. In this episode, we introduce our first special guests. Together, we discuss our experiences of coming out, of being cis and trans couples. And of course, we talk about our tea of the week. Okay, old. so you chose the tea again this week. Um, so do you want to tell us a bit more about it? I did. Uh, you've hidden the wrapper from me now, unfortunately. Um, but I was walking through Sainsbury's today and it just jumped out at me. Not literally, but it was <laughs> beetroot. Uh, orange and ginger. Yes, it I was. think. Uh, so anything with beetroot in really always kind of appeals to me. Mm. Um, so let's give it a go. Yeah. So let's let's try. That is nice. It is nice. So if you imagine kind of one of those blood orange teas, mm. it's like that, but the beetroot kind of softens it slightly. Mm. And the ginger gives that a slight little burn at the end, which yeah. is really nice. It's which really isn't just nice. the temperature. And the colour is really nice and vibrant. Yeah, it's beautiful. It looks... So for our listeners, we're drinking it out of white and gold coffee cups, which belong to my nana. Um, annoyingly, they say coffee on, not tea, but I'm sure she wouldn't mind. And it looks like a beautiful ruby red magic potion. <laughs> anyway, yes, uh, very nice. Yeah. So, cheers, On with the show. Cheers. So, this week we've got two very special guests on our show, Kirsty and Jenny. Kirsty has been one of my best friends since we were housemates in university, and she was also one of my bridesmaids at our wedding in December. She is a talented musician, fellow cat's parent, and an all round lovely person. So, over to you, Kirsty, to tell us more about yourself. Hi there. So I'm Kirsty. I'm a cis woman. I'm a lesbian. Uh, my pronouns are she, her, and I am a professional musician. And music is also my hobby. Um, I play the cello um, and perform and teach and do that in various ways for my job and for fun as well. Lovely. Thank you, Kirsty. We also have Jenny with us today. Uh, I met Jenny uh, several years ago now. And it's one of my very favourite people. Uh, one of the things I really admire and love about Jenny is her uh, campaigning, her um, clear um, kind of focus on making the world a better and fairer place. And, you know, we don't always agree on everything about that, but we always agree on the need to do it. And that's uh, always been one of the things I, I love talking to Jenny about. So it's absolutely amazing to have you with us today, Jenny. Thank you, Ollie. Yeah, I'm Jenny. Um, I'm a trans woman. I came out as trans last summer, and I'm also a lesbian, and I'm Kirsty's girlfriend. Um, and my passions are writing. I'm a musician and a composer, um, and it's it's lovely to be on your podcast today. Lovely. Thank you. So welcome to both of our speakers, and now let's get on with the show. So our first topic today is coming out. So, Kirsty, what did coming out mean to you? So, I was in my second year at music college and 
I had known for a long time that I was interested in women and this filled me with quite a lot of shame and I had a lot of fear that I would be um, rejected for having these feelings and that if I told somebody they might react badly. Um, so when I did start to come out it was just such a great relief and, and was certainly very beneficial to my mental health afterwards and made me a much happier person. Thanks Kirsty. That's definitely something which um, resonates a lot with me and certainly those feelings of shame and of maybe not exactly knowing that, well, knowing that you are different but not necessarily knowing how or being able to put a name to it. And one thing that I vividly remember was the night when we both came out to each other um, I believe we were in our second years at music college at that point. And it was, a, from what I remember, a summer night and we were sat in our little kitchen in our halls of residence in, in Cardiff. And yeah, somehow we found the words to come out to each other. Um, so Kirsty, what do you remember of that night? So I remember that this was one of many late night conversations that we used to have together in the flat. And this particular night, um, the hours were getting late and um, we were both definitely building up to something, P particularly you. You've been thinking a lot about yourself, I know, over the weeks mm. coming up to that time. And um, the night just sort of crescendoed to this moment where we both had to say something. I'm not sure who said first. I think it was you, was it? Mm, I think it might have been. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, we certainly, we laughed a lot the next morning because I think we were both so relieved um, and nobody else in the flat knew and um, they weren't quite sure what was up with us. <laughs> yes, I remember that as well. I remember going to the park the next day with you. I think we may have gone to the pub that was down the road from our halls of residence and um, had a celebratory drink, probably a pint for me and some kind of apple juice or something for you, which was your, your usual tipple. Um, and yeah, I remember that, just that feeling of relief and happiness when we walked around the park together. Um, and we'd finally, yeah, this, it, you're absolutely right. The word crescendo is so appropriate because it had been slowly building up and building up. And we probably both noticed things in each other that looking back on it were probably quite obvious but at the time you don't realize you're just going through things so yeah thank you Kirsty for sharing those and now we'll we'll move on to Jenny's story so about I suppose six years after Harry and uh, Kirsty came out to each other um, and obviously I was sort of on, on the scene now, um, going out with Harry and, and that's when we first met uh, Jenny. Um, so um, in those days obviously things were different and a lot of um, stuff has changed since then. Um, I suppose I'll start kind of the story of, of Jenny and, and just for listeners, Jenny's asked us to start kind of talking so we're not speaking for her, we're just giving her a space to kind of think uh, while we're talking. Um, so I was just going to share really about the first day that Jenny came out uh, to me and Harry. Um, and I suppose the way I think of coming out uh, and the way 
I felt when I came out numerous times. And, you know, I suppose the thing about uh, gay and trans people is you never stop coming out. Mm. When anyone comes out, you feel a bit raw, a bit bruised. So anyone who's stubbed their toe and tries to walk knows that it just feels a bit tender. Uh, And depending on what you stub your toe on, uh, in this analogy, depending on who you come out to and their reaction, sometimes it's harder to walk than other times. So I suppose if you come out and have a negative experience, it's a lot harder to walk proudly as a gay person or a trans person. But it's also really important that you keep moving when you stub your toe, isn't it? So this, don't worry, this analogy is going to finish soon, I promise. <laughs> um, and for me, when Jenny told us, it felt like something had lifted. So she felt and looked more ephemeral. Uh, and I know that sounds like a really grand word, but it is what I can kind of, it's just a very strange feeling that I, I kind of got from her. But it was that Jenny, who had always been there, was suddenly back in reality You know, it was as if I was truly seeing Jenny for the first time. And it was an absolutely amazing thing to to experience and to see. Uh, I don't know, Jenny, if you want to talk a bit about the night you told us, um, if that's helpful. Thank you, Ollie. I think you've summed that up all really well. Yeah, I've been very fortunate in that a lot of my coming out was absolutely, as you say, a relief and, in fact, a joyous experience, something that I really relished. And that night at yours, I think you were some of the very first people I ever told in person. And I wouldn't have had it be anyone else um, because it was, apart from Kirsty, because it was was such a wonderful evening. I remember showing up and you were still cooking and you were quite frantic about it. And and you didn't really have any attention to afford to me, so I just cowered in the corner for half an hour for this big secret to spill. And then when we started having dinner, and I could just tell you, um, you were the most supportive people to come out to. And yeah, I, I, I think you might say a bit about how um, I had taken some clothes to change into, because I wasn't out in public at that time, and I, I travelled um, presenting masculine. But I showed up, went upstairs, put on what was my first dress, um, came down and gave it as well. <laughs> Yeah, it it will stay with me, I think, as one of the uh, loveliest uh, kind of moments ever. And, you know, I think oh, I'm going to sound really hippie and strange now, but I think it's probably the same for other people, Harry, when you came out. if I think sometimes for trans people it can feel, and again, I feel intensely awkward that I'm speaking for trans people here. I, I'm doing this very much by request, I hasten to add. I think people can live a life where they're almost under a shadow, mm. like they, they're operating a, sh- operating a shadow life. So I'm going to get philosophical for a moment. There's the famous thing from Plato, which I've always, always loved, where he talks, I'm going to mangle this really badly, but he talks about looking at shadows on the back of a cave and that actually um, what it is, is that people are looking at shadows on the back of a cave from a fire. And that's what he says reality is. And it's only when people turn around and look at what's casting the shadow that they see what the true experience is. And I've kind of for a long time thought of that as being a really good 
analogy for trans people. So the shadows are the bodies they may be born into or the identities that may be assumed of them. And the moment that they come out, they're turning away from the fire to look at the people that are casting those shadows. And what that means is they feel more real. Everything is more sharp and focused. And, you know, yeah, when you came down in that dress and and gave us a twirl, it was genuinely like seeing a different person. But having that moment in our minds where we thought, actually, this is the person we've known all along, but they've turned away from the fire and looked at the world. And that was an amazing thing to see. Thank you. Yeah, you've put it absolutely perfectly. I don't think I have anything to add to that bit. I wonder if you would be able to explain or describe one of the other things I remember very much about that evening is us driving you back to Cardiff um, and we put on Black Tie uh, by Grace uh, Petrie, um, one of our favourite singers and favourite songs. And I just wonder if there's any kind of feeling that you can describe about how you felt after you came out. It was a sense of found family, which is a word that lots of people in the LGBT plus community use to mean not, I mean, in lots of cases, it's people who have fallen out with their, with the family they were born with. And I'm very lucky to not be one of those people. Um, but in a broader sense, it, it, it just means because we are, we feel and we're treated like outcasts. Um, by so much of society, so much of the time, we do, all of us need our little circles of, pe- of like-minded people, and for LGBT plus people, that's particularly potent. Um, and yeah, that, I, I, yeah, as you put that music on, I don't actually know if you know that I was crying at that point, uh, but I was, um, it was a very powerful song for me. Uh, it's very much remained on my radar since. And the things that she brings up in that song, really take me back to uh, the, the misery that I wasn't able to put a name to at school, um, the things I had to wear on every occasion, um, which I would later come to understand was dysphoria, which was something I, I, couldn't, I couldn't fix by trying to be something I wasn't, and it was only something I could deal with by um, finally peeling the layers back and accepting myself as I always have been as a woman. Thank you. That is a lovely way of putting it. So I think it's a good time to move on uh, to the next part of our podcast. Thank you, Jenny. Kirsty and Jenny are an amazing lesbian couple. And uh, both of you, I, I just feel your relationship is so strong. It's very, very honest. Your communication with each other is amazing. And yeah, you always do things like check in with each other, make sure you're both feeling okay. And it's just really lovely to see and really, yeah, just the love that you two have for each other is just really obvious and beautiful. Um, You were together for three years uh, before Jenny's transition and you've been together for nine months since then. Uh, So Kirsty, why don't you tell us a little bit more about your relationship with Jenny and how this has changed? So um, when I was first uh, going out with Jenny, um, we were in what, from an outside view, looked like a heterosexual relationship. Um, But actually, to us, it it never felt like that. And um, 
certainly I ever identified as heterosexual when I was in that relationship. Um, and um, in fact, I struggled quite a bit because I felt that um, when I was with Jenny pre her coming out and her starting to transition, I rather felt like I'd lost my lesbian entity a bit and I didn't quite know um, kind of how I saw myself during that time. Um, so for us or for me, um, Jenny coming out has affirmed my relationship with my own sexuality and my kind of um, knowledge that I always knew that I was a lesbian and, and that feels more right to me than ever before. Um, and and also I guess I want to say that Jenny's coming out has uh, really made us stronger and brought us closer together. Thanks Kirsty, that was, that was really lovely and it's I think it's really good for our listeners to hear how relationships can change and can grow and become better. Um, one of the things you have said to us in the past, Kirsty, and I just wonder if it's helpful for some of our listeners to hear um, about the kind of initial reaction uh, to Jenny coming out. And I was just wondering if you would be uh, willing to, to share that with us today. Yeah, sure. I'm happy to talk about that a little bit. Um I would say that when Jenny first came out to me as trans, I didn't react as well as I um, would have liked to and as well as I wish I had. Um, although I, I obviously knew Harry and um, he's a very close friend of mine and I knew other lots of other trans people and non-binary people, um, it actually really took me by surprise when um, Jenny came out as trans. And I think this was because I wasn't expecting it. Um, I think Jenny had been thinking about it a great deal and she doesn't always show her working. So I think I hadn't had all those little conversations along the way that, that might have gradually filled me in. And I think when she told me, it was a bit of a shock. Um, and I think another thing that was on my mind just was, was worry. I was worried for her because I thought, gosh, changing gender, that's such a big thing. And um, it, it raised worries in, inside me. Um, so that was my, my initial reaction. Um, but shall I, shall I go on to talk about um, kind of how, how I see things now? Um, so, so very soon I saw that Jenny was a happier person and that this was so right for her. Um, I could see that she was experiencing a fuller life um, it was like this coming out had opened up, opened up parts of Jenny's character that I hadn't seen before. Um, I saw her come to life. Um, she likes how she looks now. She's more open. We talk a lot more. All aspects of our relationship are better. Um, we've had so many lovely conversations since she came out. And often when these happen, I, I think... But I'm not sure that we would have had this kind of conversation before her coming out because these something has just sort of opened up. Um, and it's, uh, as I said before, it's really made our relationship stronger. We're, we're you know, very much in love and, and much more so than we were um, in the early days. Thank you, Kirsty. That's, um, yeah, just just beautiful, really, to hear how your relationship's grown and changed. 
I just wanted to come in on the point about um, not feeling quite right in our previous relationship or like everything was quite lined up right. Um, and obviously, while that was true for Kirsty, it was also very true for me because I wasn't expressing my full self. And um, people might have looked at me and thought, oh, well, that's a straight man. Um, but I was never and could never be comfortable being in or being seen as in any sort of male role, no matter how much I, I would have tried. And that was one of the things that was able to so dramatically improve about my life and our relationship after I came out was that stopping trying to be something I'm not and just embracing who I am. I think that's a really important one, actually. And I think it, it's really interesting because Kirsty also mentioned something earlier about um, kind of Jenny not having shown her working. And it's something that really strikes me. It's something gay people experience. So um, it's no secret, I think, that my parents when I came out although they're now well my mum is very supportive um and my dad was certainly before he died the initial moment I came out was very difficult uh, and I don't think I've ever made a secret of that but from my perspective and it's only recently that I've kind of realized this if this is a new realization uh, about a week ago that gay people or trans people they spend months and months and years and years rehearsing what they're going to say to their parents or their loved ones we agonize it over it in the dark of night it keeps us awake uh, we we try it out so many times in our heads so when we finally come out we've we've had years to get used to that idea but our parents or our friends or our loved ones they've they're hearing it for the first time. So we've rehearsed it a hundred plus times. They, they've got this one time and, and there's a lot of pressure for them now to get it absolutely perfect. So I suppose, Kirsty, from the first perspective is it's okay that you didn't get it perfect because you hadn't sort of rehearsed that before in the same way that Jenny had probably many times. And I th imagine that's the same for you, Harry, as well. Absolutely, yes. Um, Jenny, was there anything else that you... Uh wanted to say about this yeah i just wanted to add that um we want to get to a world of course where we don't have to agonize for so long about about just telling people who and what we are uh, and if you if you do just find out who you are and the next day you want to tell your friends and you feel safe to do so then that's that's absolutely great and we should celebrate that. And frankly, some of the time, um, my coming out did just flew out. It wasn't something that I had to rehearse um, personally for everyone. And that was partly why with Kirsty it was a little bit haphazard, I think. Thank you, Jenny. And I guess in a way to, um, to tie it together back to the start, um, my first coming out, mine and Kirsty's coming out to each other that first time, may have been the first time we'd found the words to say to another person and in my case even to say to myself who I was and it was something that I'd almost I'd always known but I hadn't been able to find the words to say or the right circumstances to say or even the knowledge that 
there were, in my case, other trans men to be able to put a name to it. Um, a bit like you said, Jenny, I'd from the outside been perceived as being in heterosexual relationships because I'd always dated men um, and I'd been perceived as a heterosexual woman. But both something about the the woman role and the heterosexual label and probably that more than anything it never felt right with me and I didn't know why it didn't but it didn't and then somehow in this conversation with Kirsty some somehow the time the place the person it all felt right and we were able to have that beautiful moment of coming out So it's been really amazing having you both on this evening, uh, Kirsty and Jenny. Thank you so much for sharing everything that you have done this evening. Uh, I'm sure our listeners will be uh, really interested and hopefully uh, found it really educating as well. I think there's a common thread that's come through in the conversations this evening with us. And one is that a lot of the motivation behind people reacting negatively when you come out is driven by worry for the person. I know years after I came out, I spoke to my mum about it. We were on a long drive up to Birkenhead and she just said that she reacted negatively because she was really worried about, um, about the reaction people would have about the life I would lead and the types of uh, experiences I would have. Uh, and she felt really sad about that. Um, and I suppose that's how I would probably want to finish really is if you're a straight cis person listening to our podcast today, maybe consider about how we can make the world a less worrisome place for trans people, for gay people, so rather than accepting the world where we have to go through this pain and worry and torture about trying to confide in someone and worrying every step of the way whether this is the person that's going to turn their back on us, maybe work so that we don't have to do all of that worry behind the scenes and so that when future alls and future Harrys and, and Kirsties and Jennies come out, uh, they can do that without any negativity. And I think that's how I'd like to leave the podcast today. Thank you. I think that's a really good place to leave it as well. Um, and I don't really have anything else to add. So I think what we'll do is um, we'll go around and do our goodbyes. So Kirsty, let's start with you. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you, Kirsty. And Jenny, over to you. Thank you so much, Harry and Ollie, and for the work you're doing with this. Also, love. Bye-bye. Thank you very much. And just now to do some shout-outs before we say goodbye. So our shout-out today is for Joe Simpson from Cardiff. Um, Joe is a fellow trans guy and he's raising funds for his top surgery, for his chest surgery. Um, this is something that can take ages on the NHS and particularly in the hot weather we've been having, it's it can be quite uncomfortable and 
painful for trans men and trans masculine folks to have to bind. Um, so if you do have a bit of spare cash or maybe you don't, but you can give Joe a bit of a signal boost, um, please check out his Twitter. He's at Joe H Simpson. And yeah, let's um, see if we can get him that top surgery that he so desperately would like to have. Um, I will also say, um, please check us out on our various social media platforms. Um, we're on Instagram at cup of tea underscore podcast and uh, Twitter and Facebook at cup of trans. And our podcast can be found on Podbean, iTunes and Spotify. And don't forget, if there's something you'd like to ask us or something you'd like us to cover, please give us an email. It's cupoftrans at gmail.com. And before we sign out with our music, just to say as well that Jenny is the amazing composer of this music. So every time you listen to it, you're hearing her fantastic work. So thank you again, Jenny, for composing such brilliant music for us. Thank you and goodbye. Goodbye.